Long History The Third Voyage of Christopher Columbus Part 4 Signals of War in the Waters Between Trinidad and Venezuela Hello and welcome to Long History. At the moment we're covering the third voyage of Christopher Columbus. This is the nearest we've got to a source document about that voyage and in fact it's taken from a history written by a man called Las Casas and he apparently had access to Columbus's journal so he reports Columbus's journal as we'll see in this episode. Now this is episode 4 of a 10 part series and Columbus on this journey has headed further south than on his other journeys so he headed first to the Cape Verde Islands off the coast of Africa and then over the Atlantic suffering from the heat at the equator to end up at the island that Columbus names Trinidad. At the end of the previous episode Columbus had stopped just off the southeastern coast of the island and in this episode he sails along the whole of the southern coast of Trinidad and he sees what he thinks are islands to his left. But in fact this is the South American coast and the first such sighting by a European certainly during this age of discovery. Now before we begin don't forget there's lots to explore on long history. We've already covered the first two journeys of Columbus and there's lots of source documents about other famous journeys from history as well. Don't forget to subscribe to be informed when the remaining episodes of this series are released. And all our episodes are available now on longhistory.net, our website, as well as on your podcast provider. So here we go with Long History's The Third Voyage of Christopher Columbus, Part 4. Signals of War in the Waters Between Trinidad and Venezuela. Wednesday, August the 1st, he ran down the coast toward the west, five leagues, and arrived at a point where he anchored with all three ships and took water from fountains and streams. They found signs of people, instruments for fishing, signs of goats, but they were only of deer, of which there are many in those lands. He says that they found aloes and great groves of palms and very beautiful lands for which infinite thanks may be given to the Holy Trinity. These are his words. He saw much tilled land along the coast and many settlements. He saw from there towards the south another island, which is distant more than 20 leagues, and he might well say 500, since this is the mainland which, as he saw part of it, seemed to be an island. To this he gave the name of Isla Sancta, He says here that he would not take any Indians in order not to disturb the land. From the Cape of Galera to the point where he took the water, which I believed he named Punta de la Playa, he says that having been a great way and running east-west, he should say that he went from east to west, there was no port in all that way, but the land was well populated and tilled, and with many trees and thick groves, the most beautiful thing in the world the trees reaching to the sea. Here it may be remarked that when the trees of the country grow down to the water's edge, it indicates that such a coast is not exposed to high seas, because when the coast is so exposed, trees do not grow down to the water, but there is an open sandy shore. The current surgente, which is that which comes down, and the montante, which is that which ascends from below, he says appear to be great. The island which lies to the south he says is very large because he was already going along with the mainland in sight although he did not think so but that it was an island. 
He says that he came to search for a harbour along the island of Trinidad, Thursday, August the 2nd, and arrived at the Cape of the island of Trinidad, which is a point, to which he gave the name Punta del Arenal, which is to the west. So that he had, in a sense, already entered in the gulf which he called de la Ballena, where he underwent great danger of losing his ships, and he as yet did not know that he was becoming encircled by land, as will be seen. This gulf is a wonderful thing and dangerous, on account of the very great river that flows into it, which is called the Yuyapari, the last syllable long. It comes from more than 300 and I believe more than 400 leagues, and it has been traversed for 300 leagues upstream partly with a ship, partly with brigantines and partly with large canoes. And since the force of the water is very great at all times, and particularly so in this season of July and August in which the Admiral was there, which is the season of high water, as in Castile in October and November, and since it wants naturally to get to the sea, and the sea with its great mass under the same natural impulse wants to break upon the land, and since this gulf is enclosed by the mainland on one side, and on the other by the island of Trinidad, and since it is very narrow for such a violent force of contrary waters, it must needs be that when they meet a terrific struggle takes place, and a conflict most perilous for those that find themselves in that place. He says here that the island of Trinidad is large, because from the Cape of Galera to the point of Arenal, where he was at the present time, he says it is 35 leagues. I say that it is more than 45, as he that desires may see by the charts, although now those names are not written on the charts as they have been forgotten, and to understand the matter they must consider the course the Admiral pursued until he arrived there, and at what point he first saw land, and from there where he went till he stopped. And in that way, one will find out what he called the Cape of Galera and what the Point of Arenal. It is not a matter of surprise that the Admiral did not make an accurate estimate of the leagues of the island, because he went along it piece by piece. He ordered that his people should land on this Point of Arenal, the end of the island toward the west, to enjoy themselves and obtain recreation, because they had become wearied and fatigued who found the land very much trampled by deer, although they believed they were goats. This Thursday, August the 2nd, a large canoe came from towards the east, in which came 25 men, and having arrived at the distance of a Lombard shot, they ceased to row and cried out many words. The Admiral believed, and I also believe, that they were asking what people they were, as the others of the Indies were accustomed to do, to which they did not respond in words, but by showing them certain small boxes of brass and other shining things, in order that they should come to the ship, coaxing them with motions of the body and signs. They approached somewhat and afterwards became terrified by the ship, and as they would not approach, the Admiral ordered a tambourine player to come up to the poop deck of the ship and that the young boys of the ship should dance, thinking to please them but they did not understand it thus, but rather as they saw dancing and playing, taking it for a signal of war, 
they distrusted them. They left all their oars and laid hold of their bows and arrows, and each one embracing his wooden shield, they commenced to shoot a great cloud of arrows. Having seen this, the admiral ordered the playing and dancing to cease, and that some crossbows should be drawn on deck and two of them shot off at them, nothing more than to frighten them. The Indians then, having shot the arrows, went to one of the two caravels, and suddenly, without fear, placed themselves below the poop, and the pilot of the caravel also, without fear, glided down from the poop and entered with them in the canoe with some things which he gave them, and when he was with them he gave a small frock and a bonnet to one of them, who appeared to be the principal man. They took them, and as if in gratitude for what had been given them, by signs said to him that he should go to land with them, and there they would give him what they had. He accepted and they went away to land. The pilot entered the boat and went to beg permission of the admiral on the ship, and when they saw that he did not go directly with him, they did not expect him longer, and so they went away, and neither the admiral nor any other ever saw them more. From the sudden change in their bearing because of the playing on the tambourine and the dancing, it appears that this must be considered among them a sign of hostility. A servant of the admiral, called Bernardo de Ibarra, who was on this voyage with him, told me and gave it to me in writing, and I have this writing in my possession today, that a cacique came to the ship of the admiral and was wearing upon his head a diadem of gold. And he went to the admiral, who was wearing a scarlet cap, and greeted him and kissed his own diadem, and with the other hand he removed the cap of the admiral and placed upon him the diadem and he himself put upon his own head the scarlet cap, appearing very content and pleased. The admiral says here that these were all used and very well shaped and adorned, although I do not believe they wore much silk or brocade, with which, also, I believe the Spaniards and the admiral might be more pleased. But they came armed with bows and arrows and wooden shields. They were not as short as others he had seen in the Indies, and they were whiter, and of very good movements and handsome bodies, the hair long and smooth, and cut in the manner of Castile. They had the head tied with a large handkerchief of cotton, symmetrically woven in colours, which the Admiral believed to be the Almaysar. He says that others had this cloth around them, and they covered themselves with it in place of trousers, he says that they are not black, although they are near the equinoctial, but of an Indian colour, like all the others he has found. They are of a very fine stature, go naked and warlike, wear the hair very long like the women in Castile, carry bows and arrows with plumes, and at the end of the arrows a sharp bone with a point like a fish hook, and they carry wooden shields, which he had not seen before and according to the signs and gestures which they made, he says he could understand from them that they believed the admiral came from the south, from which he judged that there must be great lands toward the south, and he said well since the mainland is so large that it occupies a large part of the south. So there might be a little confusion there, because we have Las Casas who knows that the land Columbus is seeing to the south is the continent of South America, 
and then the account of Columbus himself who does not know that it's a whole continent, he thinks he's seeing a series of islands. And one of these supposed islands he names is La Sancta, Holy Island. Las Casas, the writer of this text, also points out the names that are lost to time here. Columbus has said that he's visited the Cape of Galera and the Point of Arenal, but neither of these names exist in the present. Las Casas also talks of a big river and this is the Orinoco, although in this text it's called the Yuyapari. By the way, it might be worth just at this point to take a look at a map because Columbus as he heads along the southern coast of Trinidad is actually entering a large gulf today called the Gulf of Paria. But Columbus has given it another forgotten name, Gulf of Baena, which is Whale. And in future episodes, Columbus will wander around this gulf, still thinking he's seeing islands, when in fact he's sort of trapped in this gulf and there's only a very narrow exit, but he doesn't know that at this point. So from the next episode on, Columbus will be trapped in this gulf without really ever knowing it. Thanks everyone for listening to the latest episode of Long History. I hope that was enjoyable and if so, please do give it a like and share it if you can to help promote Long History. This is History from the Source and we have many source documents now available on our website longhistory.net. Thank you for listening to the third voyage of Christopher Columbus, Part 4, Signals of War in the Waters Between Trinidad and Venezuela. Goodbye.